Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I didn't even that. First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. All right, Bird fans, this is Connor from Eagles Unfiltered here, and we have a surprise for you. We have agreed to a sponsorship with Manscaped, and that comes with a promo code that you can benefit from. Enough letting your long cocks hide behind that Sumalu bush. Take care of your Dickerson and protect it from sweat by using promo code GOBIRDS for 20% off your order plus free shipping on Manscaped.com. That's 20% off your order plus free shipping on all Manscaped products by using promo code GOBIRDS. That's capitalized everything. G-O-B-I-R-D-S. No spaces at all. Go birds slay your lady with a clean balls act and enjoy manscapes miles of products through eagles unfiltered sponsorship a deal so good it hurts again head to manscape.com and say go birds for 20 percent off plus free shipping your balls will thank you all right we're back with another episode of eagles unfiltered on the blade podcast network powered by betonline.ag the best sports betting website you can possibly possibly bet on that's bet online ag they power the show co-host connor Miles here with my co-host ed crass ed you know the last week we we were on this pod and we're, we're questioning jalen hurts and we're questioning all these guys and you know nick sirianni we're we're impressed with the progress and then this denver game happens man and wow like jalen hurts flipped on a dime if you ask me i mean this isn't just a slouchy guy that he went up against. He went up against Vic Bangio. You know, even if it doesn't work out with him in Denver, if he does get canned, he's going to get a defensive coordinator job right up where right away because he's one of the best defensive coordinators this league's ever seen. Uh, I told it to you off air. You know, it's funny to start the show off this way, but I told you off air. Carson wants his rookie year, 2016. They go into Chicago and they win. This is during their three and zero start, and I that game really showed me like, you know, this is the guy, this might be the guy. They might really have something in Carson Wentz here because uh, he, Vic Fangio is no slouch. He really handled his defense. He handled the blitz. He handled Vic, everything Vic threw at him and he, and they won that game uh, convincingly. So I have to have the same energy for Jalen hurts. You know, Jalen hurts to answer the call. Vic Fangio said, the way I'm going to beat Jalen hurts is I'm going to dare him to beat me with his arm. I'm going to take away the running lanes. I'm going to take away him rushing ability because I'm going to throw his throw a blitzer at him. And what did Jalen do? Instead of bailing to his tendencies, his bad habits, he was making plays, Ed. You know, I again, I said it all fair. That play to Dallas Goddard, that throw that he made to Dallas Goddard, every single time prior to, uh, I want to say that game, he's, he's taken off and running. He would run. He would resort to his bad habits. Those things are starting to 
progress. That's progress right there. Uh, right now, it's hard to, if he continues this going forward. If he shows this consistently on a game to game basis moving forward, oh, you, you have to continue building with that guy. You have to. I know that's completely different from what we said last week, but I'm that confident now because he did something that I expected. You know, again, everybody's saying he's a second year quarterback, but he's really not. He's really not. He had no real training camp last year. You know, yes, he got four games experience, but I mean, that was just, you know, Doug Pearson just threw him out there and said, whatever happens, happens. So it, it, he's really a rookie in my eyes. He still is in my eyes. If I'm going to have the same energy I have for Carson Wentz when he does something that impressive his rookie year, I'm going to have the same energy for Jalen Hurts. They might have the guy. They might. You know, that's a defensive coordinator that knows this league better than most defensive coordinators do. And he took his task and he handled it well. And I know a lot of people are harping on the second half, you know, the three passes and everything. But when you have the game in hand, you you do what the Eagles do and you start pounding the ball away and control the time possession and help your defense out because you're going to win this game. You're, you're in control. They were completely in control. So him throwing three passes in the second half, yes, it is a result of, you know, Denver's second half adjustments of going into more zone. You like to, you like to see Jalen Hurts read a defense a little bit better, but again, that's a young quarterback learning. He's still learning on the fly. I mean, we said it multiple times. His This is his real second year really playing the quarterback position. Other than his four games with the Eagles and his one lone year at Oklahoma in Lincoln Riley's offense, this is really still it. He's still raw. So, I mean, am, am I, I'm not going to kill him for not being able to read a defense yet? No. I still want to see the the consistent passes, the his ability to show he can make these passes like he did to Devontae Smith for that touchdown. I'm very confident Jalen Hurts after that game, Ed, going forward. Uh, it's not just because of who they were playing. I don't care about the competition. I care about the guy he was going up against. That guy knew how to scheme against quarterbacks, and Jalen Hurts answered the call, for my opinion. Well, yeah, a couple things. Um, <clears throat> Nick Sirianni alluded to the fact, and this is why I like Nick Sirianni. He's very refreshing. He's very candid in his answers. And he was asked point blank, what do you say to people who don't think Jalen Hurts can be franchise quarterback or at least the quarterback going into 2022 and and um you know he, he said that it's not his job or Jalen's job to worry about being the franchise quarterback or having the franchise quarterback it's just to get ready for the next game Sirianni also pointed out that uh Jalen Hurts climbed the pocket on that throw you're talking about to Dallas Goddard he said five weeks ago Jalen Hurts has taken off and running but now he's and, and that's something that Sirianni has talked about throughout most of the season is finding a way to keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket longer rather than taking off. And, you know, it looked like on Sunday against the Broncos, that message finally hit home with Jalen Hurts. Now, listen, we're on the roller coaster with this kid. You know, like you said last week, you were questioning it. I was questioning it. Um, He still has seven more games and maybe a playoff game to prove that, yeah, he's the guy. So, you know, this is a roller coaster we're going to ride over these final seven games with, evaluating Jalen Hurts and see if he can find the consistency, see if he can continue to climb the pocket, remain in the pocket, and not try to escape as soon as there's the slightest form of pressure. So, you know, Sirianni talked about that uh, improvement in Jalen Hurts' game, and it was a good point. He also made a point that on that touchdown pass to Devontae Smith from 36 yards, that they had a play call similar earlier in the game with uh, Smith going down the sidelines, you know, on another 40-yard route, uh, something like that. But Hurt saw that it wasn't going to work. He read the defense, and he checked out of it at least twice. And then they came back to it on that touchdown throw. 
So, you know, that's another uh, compliment that he gave Jalen Hurts. He's starting to see things better that the defenses are giving him. Now, you could say, listen, the Chargers and the Broncos run a similar defensive scheme, and maybe that's why he felt a little bit more comfortable this week in reading that defense. So, again, let's see how he does over these seven games. And I'll, and I'll also say this about the rise in Hertz's game. And it, it wasn't just last week in that first half. And Shane Steichen said earlier Tuesday that it was probably the best first half this offense has played uh, the entire season. And a lot of the reason for that was Jalen Hurts. Um, now, like you said, they didn't have to really throw the ball at all in the second half. They were just hammering them on the ground. And, and that's where my next point comes in is, is the rise and the improvement in Hertz's game coincides with the improvement in this running attack. Um, and, it, which, and it's going to be real interesting once Miles Sanders comes off the injured reserve to see what they do because it's hard to mess with the success that it's had with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. But obviously Miles Sanders is a second-round talent. They're going to find a way to get him the ball, and we'll see if this running game continues to have the success that it's had in these last three weeks. I mean, they've rushed for over 175 yards in three straight games. It's only the ninth time in team history uh, that that's ever happened where they've had three straight running games of over 175 yards, which is amazing. So, you know, Hertz's, uh, uh development has to do with that as well. You give a quarterback a running game like that, yeah, he's going to be a lot better than, uh, than he's been. And Hertz only had to throw the ball 23 times. He only had to throw it 16 times the week before and 14 times against the Lions. This is a formula for winning. I'm not sure you want Jalen Hurts to throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game. So, yeah, keep this running formula together, and Hurts will be a better quarterback. Uh, and this running game, I mean, Denver's defense was ranked sixth against the run, and they hammered them. The Eagles hammered them. You know, you could have made the argument that the reason the running game looked so good in previous weeks was because they were playing horribly ranked defensive uh, run defenses. You know, the Raiders weren't good. The Chargers weren't good. The Lions certainly weren't good in run defense. All those defenses ranked near the bottom in the league. Um, but this was a this was a representative uh, defense. Vic Fangio is a defensive old school guy. And the Eagles offensive line just banged away, banged away and opened up holes in that uh, defensive Broncos front. So, yeah, it's an encouraging sign from Hurts. But let's just see over these next seven weeks, maybe eight if they get to the playoffs, uh, how he does. The balance. You know, that was one thing that I always thought the Eagles struggled with the most and why a huge reason why they brought in Nick Sirianni is because of the balance Indianapolis was able to find under Frank Wright. Um, it's something that the Eagles have lost ever since Frank Wright left Philadelphia is the balance on on offense. You could see Nick Sirianni starting to get it a little bit, I guess you could say. You know, this running, the, the way that they're using these, run, I mean, these running backs are Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, not really Kenny Gainwell. It's really no. Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Yes. These guys, they got Boston Scott off of the Saints practice squad, and Jordan Howard, you know, he couldn't find an active roster until now. You know, because it's not, it's not just the Eagles are neglecting Jordan Howard. It was the rest of the league, too. The, the league didn't care. He was on a practice squad and was able to be signed. With all these running back injuries going on as well, too. If they can get it done with these guys, they got to be able to get it done with Miles Sanders. I, uh, I, you know, the, the question that I was asked, I mean, I, I there's the, like questions on Twitter and about how is Miles Sanders going to fit back, and then I, they're like, oh, I can't wait till Miles Sanders is back; he's going to automatically kill it. Like everybody thinks this already with how the running game is working, but I, I still wonder how they view Miles Sanders. Ed, you know, they wanted to draft Jake. J.K. Dobbins was one of the options that they were going to take if it wasn't for Jalen Hurts and Jeremy Chin. 
They they seem to always have these interest in these bruiser backs. So Nick Sirianni is coming from this background where you know the Colts made it work with Marlon Mack, but as soon as they could replace him with a bruiser running back, they did and Jonathan Taylor. Um, maybe I I don't know if the struggles to figure it out with Miles Sanders maybe correlate to the struggles to figure out in the rushing game. Cause now ever since he's been gone, they've been finding their groove. Uh, and it's with guys that really hit between the tag. I mean, it, in the inside zones with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. So we'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't want to discredit miles Sanders and say he's just an outside runner. Cause he does, he does do well in between the, in between the tackles. I mean, excuse me, inside zone stuff really when Brandon Brooks was there, uh, his rookie year with him and Lane Johnson, that right side was crucial for him. But, I, I do wonder how Miles Sanders is going to fit back into this equation because like, you have to continue this committee approach. It's working right now. You have a hot hand in Jordan Howard, Boston Scott. I mean, he's playing out of this world right now, too. I mean, uh, the three down four, because you're going to have to get Kenny Gamble involved in some sort of fashion. I know he's still being limited, but it's still he gets he's like, he could get some carries. He gets some playing time. You're going to have to figure it out, but you have to keep these guys on the field, too. Yeah, I don't. Listen, I don't think they're going to have an active roster with four running backs on it on game day. So someone's going to have to sit. It was Boston Scott that was sitting earlier. Jordan Howard was still on the practice squad, and they were only going with Kenny Gainwell and Miles and Sanders. Miles Sanders yeah. That philosophy has changed. It wouldn't surprise me to see if they sit Kenny Gainwell. But, you know, here, listen, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here because the Eagles have not yet activated Miles Sanders from IR. He is eligible to come off this week. Um but who's to say he will? I mean, right. you know, they may not take him off the injury reserve. I think they will. We've seen Miles Sanders at practice last week. He was out there watching, observing practice. He wasn't doing anything. But that's something we hadn't seen, you know, in his first two weeks on injured reserve. Now his third week on, we saw him out there like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Let's let me get back in there. Um, and we'll see if the Eagles let him. But I would assume they will. They're going to have a role for him. Um, you know, he's too good of a talent to just kind of, sit but it's hard to mess with success and you know if Sanders comes out and carries the ball five or six times for nine yards we'll see what happens then um, because he needs to make plays and he is a home run hitter if he just hits the hole that's there like that Howard and Scott have done and Miles Sanders is in the in the uh, open field like we've seen Howard get you know 15 yards free and clear and he can't make the move to turn it into a 60 yard touchdown run. Miles Sanders can do that. He's elusive in the open field, but he's got to get there first. And, you know, he has to stick with the play that's called. He can't see everything jammed up in the middle of the line and try to bounce it outside. Cause then he'll get run down for a one yard gain or he won't make it back to the line of scrimmage. Uh, I'll say this. I think this offensive line with the addition of Landon Dickerson, who's gotten better and better each week, has really made a difference. He's a huge dude, man. So that whole left side with him and Jordan Mulata, you know, you have 600 and something pounds of, of linemen laying on a 300-pound defensive tackle, opening up holes on the interior of that line. And Jack Driscoll at the other guard spot, I think has played very well also. Not as big and as physical, but he's athletic. Uh, he can get to the next level. Uh, and, and knock some linebackers around. So, you know, I like this offensive line. You know, they deserve a whole lot of credit for what this running game is doing. And I think Landon Dickerson and the physicality that he has brought to that offensive line has really helped make a difference. Now, Miles Sanders has to run the play that's called. He can't try to bounce it and freelance. He's a, he's a different kind of runner. He's got really good vision. So, you know, he might see something outside that he thinks that he likes, but it gets shut down quickly against some of these teams with, linebackers who can pursue so 
I just think Sanders has to take what the play is and stick it right up the middle and try to wait and for that hole to open or pound through it and hope it does open. Maybe he can help it get open. And then once you get him in the open field, he's a home run hitter. He can take it the distance. So I, I think the Eagles will use him, obviously, when he comes back. But at the expense of who? I'm going to say right now, Kenny Gainwell is going to have a seat. It's either Boston Scott or Kenny Gainwell because yep. you, if you're signing Jordan Howard to the active roster, you're going to use him. I just this is what it oh, seems yeah. to make to me, or else you would have yeah. just kept him along on the practice squad and kept bringing him up because no other team was really threatening you for him. Right. But great shout out to Landon Dickerson. I mean, honestly, even if Jason Kel- if Jason Kelsey comes to this team next year and says I'm not retiring, I want to do it one more year, they're going to obviously honor that. But Landon Dickerson's playing right guard then. Uh, it is going to be Brandon Brooks last year, Philadelphia. You cannot take Landon Dickerson off the field at this point. No, and and listen, I think Dickerson's the kind of player that you can put back at center. I mean, and Brian Baldinger talked about this in the offseason, that he thinks Landon Dickerson will start at guard early in his career. So how long is he going to stay there? It could be just this year if Kelsey decides to hang it up, because I think he'll play center um, and he'll play, he'll play it pretty darn well because he had Kelsey as a teacher. And that's, you know, and I talked to Sir, I asked Sirianni about Dickerson on Monday, and, and I'm going to talk to uh, Landon Dickerson on Wednesday, you know, and I'm going to ask him, you know, how much of a benefit has it been to play next to Jason Kelsey, who we know is a master center in this league, probable Hall of Famer, hopefully. Uh, and he's had a year under Kelsey's wing to learn uh, not only the guard spot, but the center position as well. And that's invaluable, uh, no doubt about it. And, and we've asked Dickerson that in the past about learning from Kelsey. And yeah, he's a great resource. And um, Nick Sirianni said the same thing when asked about the improvement in Dickerson's game from week one to now, he pointed to Jason Kelsey. So I think Dickerson can play guard. He can play center. He's just a, a really well-schooled lineman. And, you know, knock on wood, he stayed healthy this year. That was the big knock on him coming out, obviously, from college were the injuries. But so far, so good with him. Yeah, knock I definitely knocked. I definitely knocked. Do they need him this year? Yeah. Um, if Brandon Brooks, I mean, Brandon Brooks is also eligible to come off the IR soon. He's going to be back. Yeah, um, he is. I think, I think at this listen, he'll come right in and play. I mean, I like Driscoll a you lot. Have to. At the right yeah, time. no, you have to. Driscoll can be the swing. Oh yeah, yeah you got to. You gotta put you gotta put Brandon Brooks back in because this is your last year with him. Yeah. You gotta, get, Brooks, you gotta get everything you can get out of him. You know, you look at Brooks's side and size, and man, that that's a huge offensive line. So um That's the best know. run blocking line in the league. And then you're yeah. just putting Brandon Brooks back in there. He was one of the best run blocking guards in the in the NFL anyway. So I mean, I how long you have him is another different is a different story, but uh, they, I can't wait for Brandon Brooks to be back out there because then you can even dominate. When you get Miles Sanders and Brandon Brooks back out there, you can stick with this philosophy you're on and run it for the rest of this season because who's going to stop you on this schedule from playing football that way? I don't see anybody yeah. on there. I mean, you had the Saints on Sunday, right? And the Eagles haven't won a home game, and I think it's about time. Pull, pull up the film from last year. They, they haven't won a home game since that last game. Pull up the film from last that, that game against the Saints. See what they did well, which is really run the ball. Yeah, Sanders and Hurts, both yeah, over they, 100 yards. Yeah, they combined for 200 yards. Run the ball. He, yep. Let them let those guys use their legs because I don't think the Saints have, you know, the Saints have a defense for sure. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think they have the outside linebackers to pursue with these guys. Yeah, I agree. You know, I don't think, and the Eagles have to find a way, a way to win two in a row. They haven't done that all season. But I'm going to tell you something. If they beat the Saints on Sunday, 
I think this team has a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. I, I think that now, having won in Denver, and you know, I know, and it's easy to get excited and say, okay, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna make the playoffs, or you know, they're gonna start going on this run. But I actually believe that. I think had they lost in Denver, then you're sitting at three and seven, and the playoffs aren't looking real good. But I think they now, with the way their schedule is, I think it's the third easiest in the NFL. The way it sets up, they don't have to get on an airplane again the rest of the year. There's three road trips, both to, two to New York to play the Jets and Giants and one to Washington. Bus trips, easy schedule. I think the Eagles can make a run here. Uh, I think it's going to start it in Denver, and I think it's going to continue. And you know, I think they can get to eight wins, and that might be enough to get that wild card spot. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just think the way this team is playing with the formula they've found with running the ball and asking Hurts to grow inside the pocket to me, uh, is very, very encouraging. And I'm excited about the prospect of this team getting on a little bit of a run and making some, making a charge to get that wild card spot, that last wild card spot, and maybe end up in Green Bay in the middle of January for a first-round playoff game or down in Tampa. Uh, you know, it's exciting to think about the possibilities for a potential playoff spot. It's possible. I mean, yeah. Chip Kelly took this team. I mean, I, I, everybody likes to forget. You know, his first year with the Eagles, they went to the playoffs and they started off slow too. They it, they clicked yeah. at the right time. Uh, this team's clicking at the right time. If if it continues, if this if the, how they played against Denver continues going week to week, then they're clicking at the right time. It's definitely plausible to think that they can go to make a playoff spot with how the NFC is looking right now. Absolutely. And, and, and you know that was our thing, Connor. I think we both agreed when we were asked what our expectations were back in the summer. What's our record going to be? And and I know I said it. I said, look, I just want to see this team playing better in November and December than they played in September and October. Because, number one, the schedule's easier. Number two, your first-year head coach has now kind of figured things out after the first two months. And, you know, the, the month got off to a bad start in November. Did They lost to the, to the Chargers, but it was a close competitive game. Uh, but right now, they, I think they are playing better now than they did in September and October. And that, to oh, me, yeah. was what I wanted to see. And now we'll see where it takes them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think about Jonathan Gannon, though, 13 against Denver, though? I mean, he, he did have a bounce-back week. You know, uh, I'm not ready to, you know, say that this is – he. we should stick with his growing pains because, again, Teddy Bridgewater is not the end all of quarterbacks. But uh, bounce-back performance, though, none, nonetheless. Yeah. I just don't think, you know – after hearing Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox make these comments about Jonathan Gannon, I, I, I still don't know how this could, you know, work out. I, I know there's seven games left. There's a lot to prove. This Denver thing was a great thing for him, too, as well. Um, there, you know, he does have some good things on his track record with the Eagles for, for first year defense coordinator. The Atlanta game, he shut them out pretty much on offense. Uh, the, the other games that they won, Detroit, I mean, I guess Detroit, you know, they haven't won a game yet. They just tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, uh, you know, he's done some decent stuff. But, again, I just can't get past the 80% completion percentage with these five quarterbacks, though. Uh, that's the well, one thing that kills me. I know. But, listen, Bridgewater had the best completion percentage of any of those quarterbacks coming into the game Sunday. He was throwing at 70% completion yeah. percentage, and he didn't even reach that. Um I thought Gannon made some nice adjustments. You know, I thought he played his coverage a little bit tighter. Um, I think he disguised things a little bit better. Um, but 
I'm not ready to say they've turned a corner. I mean, the Broncos were playing out without two of their starting tackles, Garrett Bowles and Bobby Massey. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't play in this league without NFL caliber offensive tackles. And that's where I'll give the Eagles credit and Howie Roseman is they've got depth at that spot. With Andre Dillard, who can't get on the field, he's played well when he's been out there. Jack Driscoll has gotten cross-trained between guard and tackle. Um, you know, they they have four competent tackles. And, and, you know, I thought Brett Toth was good, you know, when he was here, and now he's on the practice squad again. But um, I think that – and it, that's credit to Jeff Stoutland as well. I mean, he's able to develop these guys because we saw the Broncos' tackles. I mean, the Eagles didn't have a lot of sacks. They, did, they only had one sack, but – you know, there were a lot of times Bridgewater was was had to move around a little bit. He was he was off his spot. It was hard for him to get into a rhythm. Even though the Eagles didn't get there with their pressure, I think they affected Bridgewater. And I think their cornerbacks and and I've said it all year are are good and they're good in man. And you know, they need to play more press coverage if this is the kind of uh, if what co- these quarterbacks are doing. And I get what Gannon wanted to do. He didn't want to get beat over the top, and he played good quarterbacks, so he backed his corners off a little bit. Sunday, he challenged Bridgewater. He brought him closer to the line. And if you look at the quarterbacks the Eagles have left on the schedule, there's no reason they can't continue to play that style. I mean, Trevor Simeon, you know, is he scaring you with a deep ball over the top of your head? Daniel Jones, maybe, I guess, he can throw it deep a little bit. But but that Giants offensive line isn't the greatest either. So I think the Eagles can pressure Jones. And then Taylor Heineke, who just beat uh, Tampa Bay, I mean, but I, he doesn't scare me as far as a deep thrower. Um, so yeah, bring your bring your corners up, play them play them closer to the line, challenge those receivers one on one because those corners, Nelson and Slay, uh, they can hold up with anybody. I think in man to man coverage, uh, you know, as far as holding them, and that's another thing they did well. The Eagles they tackled as soon as those short throws were completed. The Eagles, bam, shut it down. They were that close in coverage, that tight. You didn't have guys catching the ball wide open and then running five to ten yards after the catch. They might have made a short catch, but the Eagles' defense was right there to smother the play right at the spot where they caught it. So um, that's another benefit of playing closer to the line and bringing your safeties up a little closer is it cuts down those yards after the catch. The linebacker play has improved so much. I mean, shout out to TJ Edwards. This guy's come from an undrafted free agent just grinding away on this football team, grinding away, finally getting his well-deserved opportunity, and he's thriving with it. And Davion Taylor too, man. Shout out Davion Taylor. Everybody thought, who the heck is this guy? They're drafting an athlete. What are they, what is Hyde doing? He's making strides. I'll tell you Wait. right now. He's the missed tackles are going to be there with him. And I think that's always going to be a, a struggle. And that's, you know, that's an underrated struggle of most linebackers in this league. Yeah. The best linebackers in this league miss the most tackles because they get the most tackles. Um, I think Davion Taylor is a player for sure, but uh, more so TJ Edwards. I think they have yeah. some TJ Edwards yeah. now. Well, you know, I think with Edwards, he brings a physicality to that defense too. And that's something the Eagles have done well this past month is getting more physical. And it starts with the run game. It starts with your offensive line of being allowed to just beat up on the defense and wear down a defense. But on this side of the ball on defense, I think it starts with TJ Edwards. You know, we saw a lot of Alex Singleton and he's a nice player, but he's not a physical type of player. I, I would think he's a bit more finesse, um, you know, tries to get around blocks instead of taking them on. And uh, but T.J. Edwards is very, very physical, and that's something his defense needed, and he gives it to him. I'm not saying they're the, the greatest linebackers and the Eagles shouldn't go out. No, but it's an improvement. It, it is an improvement. And Davion Taylor, to me, is a little undersized. When you when you see him, when you talk to him, when you're close to him, 
he doesn't look all that big. It's like, man, he doesn't look big. But as athletic as he is, he's very physical too, and he'll hit you. I mean, he punched that ball out of Melvin Gordon's hands that led to Slay's uh, game-turning 83-yard fumble return. So, you know, Davion Taylor has brought a physical presence to that defense. And, again, that's what they that's what they need uh, is that physical presence. And on a defense, I think that's kind of where it starts is at that second level. you got to be physical with your linebackers, and Edwards and Taylor have given that to them. My issue is, and I, I we said this a while ago, but when we're when they're going through a new coaching search and who is going to be the defensive coordinator, we we said no matter what, they're inheriting an incredibly talented defensive line. Uh, whoever defensive coordinator is going to thrive with his defensive line, no matter what. But he's not, and that's the issue to me. I mean, Joshua just got paid. I know Joshua's pass rushing talent didn't just drop out of nowhere. Uh, say what you will about Fletcher Cox, but. No, I, I I still think he could be a productive player in this league. If they get with, I do expect to get him to move on this offseason. But if he does, he's gonna he's gonna play well somewhere else, Ed, because they're gonna play to his strengths. Javon Hargrave, I mean, you're kind of not hearing his name that much anymore. I have to think that's the coaching. I mean, and then these guys are blaming the coaching too. You have this great you have this great of a defensive line. You have that much invested in it. I know BG's not there anymore, but you still have some really good players along the defensive line. It's they need to be dominating games and taking over games, not just from the run standpoint, from but from the pressure standpoint. Make it harder on these quarterbacks. Uh, it's just not happening, and these guys are pointing to the scheme. Uh, I don't know who to believe. Well, you know, we, we talked to Jonathan Gannon on Tuesday, and he was asked about Javon Hargrave and where where has he been? I mean, he had six sacks in the first what five games, and he hasn't won mm-hmm. had one in the last five games, or maybe it's the last four games. Anyway, he says that he's getting more doubles rolled his way and Fletcher Cox is now able to free up and play better. Um, you know, I'm not sure Fletcher Cox played all that great. We saw him make a nice tackle for loss on, I think it was a running play. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he was a little disruptive up front. So he's getting less double teams because now they're sliding to Javon Hargrave. So you just got to figure that out. If you're Jonathan Gannon, you got to figure out how to free up guys. And he said, you know, offensive lines haven't been blocking us the same way that we watch on film during the week. You know, again, I don't, I don't know what that's all about, but you know, it's your job to get the most out of these players. And okay. He did it for a week. We've seen him do it in Atlanta. We've seen him do it in wins, you know, in Carolina against quarterbacks. You know, I know Matt Ryan's pretty good, a veteran, but for the most part, it's against quarterbacks that aren't ready to hit the home run ball on a consistent basis. Not like a Mahomes or Brady or, Derek Carr, some of these guys that will throw deep on you if you let them. Um, and he doesn't have any scary quarterbacks left on the schedule. So he's got to find a way, you're right, to get the defensive line to, you know, maybe get those sacks. But I thought Hargrave and Cox did a nice job pressuring Bridgewater up the middle. That's where a lot of the pressure came from. And quarterbacks hate that kind of pressure. And I think we saw that reflected in the way Bridgewater played. I mean, I know the first resort for everybody is to blame the players, but I mean, uh, when all the guys aren't performing and they all are pointing fingers, I have to point fingers as well. So uh, yeah. that's the only reason why I'm still not in on Jonathan Gannon. And uh, I don't know if these seven games will get me back into it because this defensive line just took a t- tremendous tumble in production. I mean, I, I again, I know the loss of Brandon Graham is killing them. I know that Derek Barnett's not that great of a player and Josh Sweat's an ascending talent still trying to get it all together, but... Uh, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are enough. Most teams don't even have that one defensive tackle that can cause havoc the way that those two can, let alone two. So I, I need to see some more production from that. 
if I am to buy into Jonathan Gannon coming back next year, because at this point right now, uh, I, even before we were debating that, it wasn't set in stone that they were actually going to get rid of those guys. That was just speculation on our end. So uh, it's still not set in stone they'll do so. And if they continue improving and winning along the way, I don't, they probably won't. Uh, well, so they need we'll another defensive end. I mean, Joshua and Mark Barnett I mean, Ryan Kerrigan has been a very disappointing uh, free agent signing. Hasn't done anything. I think he played 10 snaps, maybe 11 against the Broncos. I mean, no, he's, he's just, done. Yeah, he's he's done. giving them nothing. And who else are your def- who, who are your other defensive ends here? I, I you know, Taron Jackson should, has at least showed more on tape than, you know, Derek Barnett's the only thing that he's putting on tape right now is penalties. The only thing that Ryan Kerrigan's putting on tape right now is that he plays for the Eagles. And most people forget that he's even playing for the Eagles. That's how bad he's been playing for them. Yeah. Uh, let's see what the young guy got in Taron Jackson. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had a sack earlier this year. Um, That's just my issue. What do you have to lose? Because Derek, I mean, if I'll ask you this right now, is Derek Barnett an Eagle next year? No. Is Ryan Kerrigan? No. Taron Jackson has the best chance of being an Eagle next year out of those three. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, let's and see he what will you be. Yeah. And so will Milton Williams and so will Marlon Tua Tua Polo. I mean, and they're going to draft the defensive end without question. They're going to try to find help at that spot. They need help at that spot. And I think that's where they're going to spend their first first round pick is on the at defensive end. And I don't, I don't know who will be there, but you know, you got three good ones in Carlaftis from Purdue and Hutchinson from Michigan. And of course, Thibodeau from Oregon. Um, you know, these are three premier defensive ends, in my opinion, that can come into mm-hmm. the league and make an impact right away. And Eagles are going to get one of those, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and they need to because right now they are shorthanded at that DN spot. So, yeah, you know, you say blame the players. But, yeah, it's there's some personnel issues on that there defensive is. side, no doubt. But Gannon, it's the hand he's dealt. He's got to deal with it. He's got he's got to, he's got to make, you know, he's got to find a full house with that hand he's dealt. And he, well, he hasn't done that yet. His solution so far, I will give him credit, is working. He's just not doing it for every position. He's only doing it for linebackers so far. Bench the guys that aren't playing well. You know, yeah. get if this isn't working with these guys, use some different guys. Derek Barnett brings more negative than positive to the field each time. It, it's so funny that it's it's always him. Keeps making a joke every single week. It's not funny anymore. Yeah. Bench the guy. <laughs> Let the other guys play that can give some kind of positive impact to the field. Jannard Avery has defensive end experience. Patrick Johnson has defensive end experience. Jannard Avery. Something else. That's the Something other else. guy. He, I know. Jannard Avery shouldn't be playing that much anymore. He, he gives you nothing. But, you know, he's – what else do you have? And I know you're down on Barnett. And, you know, I listen, I know Barnett, that was his 11th personal foul penalty of his career, that roughing the passer. Um and Gannon was asked about what he thought of it, you know, and I, and I didn't get a good look at it in Denver. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure what he did there. I thought the play looked clean. It was a late flag. So I thought it was maybe when he pushed off, off of Bridgewater kind of driving him into the ground. Sometimes your reputation precedes you. And that, right. And I think it was a reputation flag, but Gannon thought it was because he landed right on top of him and you're not allowed to land on top of the guy. I don't know how you prevent yourself from doing that, but you know, Bournette, you know, he, he's always hustling, man. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I know it doesn't always translate in the sacks and he does make boneheaded penalties. He jumped off sides in a key spot again this past weekend. Um, but if you look at that, if, if you look at who was blocking downfield on Slay's touchdown return from 83 yards, Barnett was one of those guys. I mean, he, he hustles all over the field. Um, he, he laid a key block out on that return. So did Avante Maddox. And then, of course, Teddy Bridgewater. Nobody had to block him. He just took himself out of the play. But, you know, Barnett hustles, um, and he, he's 
he's better than Taron Jackson at this stage. I mean, Jackson yeah. can give you something. I'd like to see him rotate it in more. Um, but, you know, Barnett's going to be your starter. I, I, they just don't have anybody uh, I, else to really threaten him to start. I agree. I think you just need to start giving that threat, though. Yeah. Because um, his lackadaisical play, it, just accepting it is just not acceptable. Um, right. You know, he has these penalties because who, who, oh, who are you going to take him off the field? It's because they're not. No, they never have. Yeah. Um, I mean, they have nobody else. If George Colaptis is sitting there, Raiden Hutchinson, yeah, you know, you're going to play those guys. And, and you're going to use well, Barnett just, less and less. His salary is not matching his production. And it never has. He never has lived up to that top 15 uh, hype that he was picked to be. Uh, and, you know, I I thought when he coming out, you know, this guy reminds me of like a, a stand-up rusher because he can't bull rush. He needs to be standing up and have some kind of leverage on the offensive tackle to win it. So maybe he's just not a fit with the Eagles. Maybe he goes somewhere else. And is product- I just don't think he's a starting defensive caliber player. I don't think he's going to be where he ever signs in free agency too. I think he's just going to be that third pass rusher off the bench, but yeah, uh, could be right. But if you, if uh, my, my argument is, I know Derek Brennan has to start for this team. They, they can't bench him for Taron Jackson. I'd be silly. They would be, uh, there, there is a talent differential there no matter what. Yeah. Uh, but you have to put some fear of God into these guys. You know, you have to start challenging these guys. You have to give Taron Jackson a chance because you, if you gave TJ Edwards a chance, Look how well it's paying off. I mean, you give yeah. Davion Taylor a chance. Look how well it's paying off. If you give these guys a chance, if you build some confidence in them, you might get some better production than you expect. Yeah. Well, here, here's what I'll say about Taylor giving him a chance. And I, I mean, Ed, Edwards has been, you know, in the NFL for three years now, I guess. And Taylor had a year to get used to it. I mean, uh-huh. Jackson's still a rookie. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. I, I think, you know, it'd be nice to see him a little bit more. But now, now this all of a sudden is a team that, you know, it can make a playoff run. So you're going to play your best players. And right now, Barnett's probably your best player. He's certainly your most experienced. And again, they love how he hustles. He, he's always all over the field. If you watch him, if you watch the tail end of a play. Oh, no, he is. He's uh, yeah, he's, out of 10, he's where the ball is. So if there's a fumble or something, he's going to be there to fall on it. You know, we saw him fall on that fumble in the NFC Championship game uh, uh, when I think it was Chris Longstack. Cousins and uh, they're not cousins. Uh, whoever the funny thing is, I actually in the Super Bowl I have up above the Vic picture. That's actually him recovering the Super Bowl ball, and he signed that yeah. picture too. But you know, that's uh, that's why I liked him. <laughs> well, he's always around the ball, so he is. You know, he may not be the first he's one player in this league. He yeah, is a player. yeah, I, he gets a hard time, and I know his production and his sack numbers don't match. You know the ten million dollars that he's making in the final year of his deal here, and he's going to move on. The I don't see the Eagles bringing him back. Um, no, the boneheaded plays you can't. Just, yeah, too that. much baggage. Too much baggage with him. It's kind of like Aguilar. You got to let him go. You know, you got to move on. Um, the Eagles picked up the final year of Aguilar's uh, rookie contract. They picked up the final year of Barnett's contract, and then they let them go. And that's that's what's going to happen again in this situation. Mm-hmm. I really believe, and they're going to try to address that spot in the draft early and maybe go toward that position again later in the draft. I mean, that's, that's how I think thin the cupboard is, will be bare at that spot um, after this off season begins. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with you though. Uh, you know, Barnett's a player in this league for sure, but I just don't think he fits the Eagles or the boneheaded players just don't warrant a second contract with the Eagles. No. At least at this point, it ha- nothing has really warranted a second contract with this team, but no, never mind that. Uh, Let's end the show real quick with – I want to propose this to you real quick because I've been thinking about this for a minute. Okay. The Eagles have – you know, the Eagles don't have to commit to Jalen Hurts. And I, you know I have said this multiple times. But 
do you think it hinders his overall play on a week-to-week basis? Because if you think about it, he is so much on his plate for a young quarterback. It's it's really unethical to put this much on a young quarterback's plate and say, hey, we know this is your first couple of years in the league, but if you don't do this so-and-so, you're not going to be starting for us. Like that's that's unheard of. Most young quarterbacks come into a situation where like we're gonna we're gonna be as patient as you possibly need. We're gonna be all the time in the world because you are the guy. This is what we picked you to be. I know that wasn't what Jalen Hurts was drafted to be, but that's what you put yourself in. The, you put yourself in the situation where he has to be this guy, right? If you just instill some little bit of confidence in him and say, "Hey, forget this noise." I know that's what Nick Shiani is saying. I know that's what Harry Roseman is saying. But instead of saying forget the noise and do it a week-to-week basis, you're my guy. Forget this. Forget what they're saying. Forget all that. This is the team now, and you're my guy. Do you think there could be a, J- a different Jalen Hurts? Because I, I sometimes watch some of these plays on the field that he makes. I'm thinking he's thinking about his job. Like, he might be thinking about his job with some of these plays. Like, I can't make this play. If I can't do it. it might, I don't know. He looks like he's second-guessing a little bit. And I think... The second guessing comes from, I'm playing for my job. You know, Carson, when he was a rookie and brought in here, I know he was the second pick in the draft. I know what the Eagles trade up for him. I know that context matters. But I look around the league, and I look at the Patriots. Mac Jones fell into a lap. They didn't make a move for him. Yes, he was a first-round pick, but he was the 15th pick of the first round. You don't usually get your quarterbacks there. And so far, so good. Look at the Titans, Ed. Look what they did. They traded a six-round pick for Ryan Tannehill. Look how that's working out. Look at Dallas, your own division. They never reach for quarterbacks. They just fall into our laps, and then they say, you're showing me a little bit of progress. We're going to go ahead and and uh, ride out with it and be patient with you and see how it goes. And you weren't a first-round pick. You were an undrafted free agent in Tony Romo. You were a fourth-round pick in Dak Prescott. My That's just my thing here is if the Eagles came out and said, we know what the situation is. But Jalen is our guy. Enough of the speculation. Do you think he'd be playing a little bit better than he is? So you you want them to do that like tomorrow? Is that I don't want them to do no no. I'm not saying that they should do this. I'm saying I'm just asking, proposing because again, it's they can't do this. There's too much at stake. I understand why they're not doing it. But I'm saying I'm just asking you as a question, and I want I want to propose it, and I wonder if anybody else who's listening answer the question too. Think about this. Because I think when you have a quarterback that at least has security or at least has a, a, a feel a, like he feels security, he plays well. When Carson Wentz's security was in question, look what you got. I feel like if a quarterback, even a young quarterback, if he feels some sort of security, you can go through these struggles with him and you're still going to get a, a more confident guy game in and game out, even if he struggles. Jalen, I think he has to put a leash on everything he does because he's playing for his job week in and week out. And that's, really tough task of a young quarterback who's developing yeah i mean you know um if they feel like he's the guy at the end of the season you know if it's march and the eagles had a chance to evaluate after the season ends on january 9th against the cowboys or the week after in a playoff game i mean give yourself a couple weeks to cool off and then you start to dive into your evaluations if they believe hurts is the guy then you commit to him now that calls into question the draft. I mean, the Eagles, do you want to commit and say he's our guy? Because then all of a sudden they've tipped their hand heading into the draft that, hey, we're not taking a quarterback in the first round. You know, I think you want to stay alive 
in that quarterback market, at least give the impression that I mean, you're a quarterback. So I don't think I don't think High Rosen's worried about that, man. I think the Eagles aren't worried about that at all. Because I mean, they they gave Sam Bradford that two year, thirty six million dollar deal, and they played poker face up until it, and they pulled off a trade that nobody saw coming. I mean, that that Dolphins trade was ridiculous. Nobody saw that coming. They still didn't know what the Eagles were really going to do. It was speculated, but I mean, I don't know if Howie's really really about that. Uh, that's that's all speculation. We can talk right. about that for hours. But let's just get this is just what I'm asking is, do you think Jalen Hurts would play better if this team just fully committed to him and came out and just fully committed to him? He felt that he had security because there's no job security for him right now. Yeah, but I think he's kind of used to that, isn't he? I mean, he, he didn't have much at Alabama. True. You know, Tua Tungaliavoa came in and took his job. Um, he's had to fight the uphill battle his whole career. So it would be interesting to see if they said, yeah, you're our guy, Jalen. Probably make him feel better. Would it make him play better? I'm not sure. Jalen's a strange – he's a different cat, man. And I I'm, he's, I like him. I like his approach. He's a chill guy. Not much seems to bother him. And even Lane Johnson was talking about that. It's like, you know, he's he, he's a real quiet guy. He doesn't – does he's the same guy, you know. Doesn't get too high. Doesn't get too low. And, and, and you know, that's kind of the way he is. So – yeah, maybe it would make him feel better. He's a coach's son, though. I mean, you know, he knows the deal at that position. You know, you got to play well or you're not going to be in that position long. So it might have the other effect. It might say, oh, now I have the security. Now I can go out and, you know, not be as sharp or on my P's and Q's as I normally would be. Could have that effect. I don't think it would with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I think he's just a real smart kid who gets it. Um, he would still be the same guy in that situation. And I, and I think that he'd probably still be the same guy, even without that security. If the Eagles didn't commit to him, I think he's the same guy. And Sirianni, like I alluded to earlier in the show said that it's not his job to worry about being the franchise quarterback. His job is to get ready each and every Sunday. And I think that's what Hertz does. And I think that even if he was had that security, he'd still be doing the same thing. So I don't think he would play Markedly better, I think he would be the same. And and that's just consistent in his mental approach day in, day out, week in and week out. That's a, that's an interesting take. I, I like that. Uh, I, that was a good answer, Ed. I think that was a great answer. I mean, that's the reason why I'm asking you is because you get yeah. a feel for him more than more so than anybody I get to talk to because you're around him all the time. Uh, that's why I'm just wondering because I look around. I, I just sat back and I thought, look at all these young quarterbacks that are struggling right now. Trevor Lawrence doesn't have to worry about a damn thing. You know, Zach Wilson, I, I know what Mike White's doing, but I, that, you know, Nick Foles won a fucking, I mean, excuse me, he won a Super Bowl for the Eagles. And, and Carson Wentz was the second pick in the draft. And they said, I don't care what Nick Foles is doing. You're our guy no matter what. So I don't think Zach Wilson is really worrying what Mike White's doing and his jersey being thrown to the Hall of Fame. Cause right. I mean, this has happened in the league before, but I, that's just my point. I'm looking at all these guys that are drafted young coming into the league, even if you're a second round pick. I mean, Derek Carr, he was a second-round pick, and he got nothing but time and patience with uh, Oakland, now Las Vegas. And, you know, it did work out for them overall because, I, you know, hate on Derek Carr as much as you do. I think he's a fine starting quarterback in this league. All right, let me so ask you this question. question. Let me ask you this, Connor. You asked me a question. Let me ask you this question. Go ahead. Would you rather have Jalen Hurts right now or Zach Wilson? Oh. Man, I was not a good, I was not a big Zach Wilson fan coming out. Okay, so you're not gonna lie. You'd be, you'd say hurts, and people are gonna laugh at that. But I just, I don't know if Zach Wilson can run an NFL offense. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I, I question Zach Wilson's translation to, I mean, excuse me, um, going into transferring to the league. 
you know, BYU is a whole different cat than the NFL. I, he reminded me of John, Johnny Manziel, so I was not high on him. If you ask me that about Justin Fields, I might have to wait a couple of minutes and answer. Okay, well, that, that I was maybe I should have asked it in a better way. Because I, I know I, it was just a quarterback. I wasn't a fan of Zach Wilson. But if you right. ask me about Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Mac Jones or who was the other rookie? Uh, oh, that's tough. See, that's tough. Well, here, here's that's, it is tough. Yeah. Trey Lance, because that is tough. Right. Too. All, all these guys. Right. Uh, I would. Uh, Mac Jones has shown more consistency than Jalen Hurts, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. I have to say, it's true. Mac Jones has shown more consistency as a starting quarterback. The Patriots other guy. I know it's his rookie year, but he looks like he's a veteran in this league. What he did against Brian Burns was bad, though. He deserves to get hit around for that. But Justin Fields, I mean, he's in a horrible situation. You know, the the coach is a sitting duck. Yeah, Uh, the offensive line is yeah putrid. Offensive line play. Uh, They're 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 relying on thirty eight year old, almost forty year old Jason Peters. I mean. I, I feel for the kid. The kid has all the cards, but he's throwing these passes that you would just never say. I would take Justin Fields. Okay. Just because I don't – I like Jalen Hurts a lot. I do. And people know this. I, I wrote about him multiple times about giving him his chance. The, the Eagles did the right thing giving him his chance. They did. They did. You know, they did. He – they uh, – I don't want to say they owed it to him, but they created this situation where they at least had to see what they had in the player. Yeah. So – That's right. And – They've gone years, Ed. I know everybody's going to say that's unfair to the 22 quarterback class, but they've gone years without a number one wide receiver. The The number one thing that they struggle with Carson the most, and I think that probably factored into him wanting out, is they could not put guys around him to catch the ball that were productive. So taking Devontae Smith, is there's going to be a ripple effect. If Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, well, guess what? The guy that's coming in here is guy's number one wide receiver now. So... If they take Justin Fields, they don't get Devontae Smith, and then I think they struggle at the wide receiver position because High Risman can't evaluate talent there. Neither yeah. can Jeffrey Lurie. Smith's so, a superstar. Superstar in the making, Devontae. He might even be the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, he's got be. a ways to go to pass Jamar Chase. But if he has a, a seven-game stretch here that began really two weeks ago, who knows? All I know is the Marvin Harrison comparisons were fully warranted the way he's been playing football. Yes, but. Point. To answer your question, the only reason why I would take Jalen Hurts is because you got Devontae Smith. Right. But if I had, if if you take him out of the equation, I have to take Justin Fields. I'm sorry, guys. I, I have to. That kid is a setting talent. And he's, you forget the numbers. Look at the situation. He's in yeah. an awful situation. If you put him in the Eagles situation, I definitely believe they're a playoff team. The way that he's playing football. Yes, I do. That, that's but Jalen Hurts definitely has. That's but Jalen Hurts definitely has some talent. Jalen yeah. Hurts de- definitely has some talent. They definitely have something there. He's just more raw in terms of those guys. Yeah. I think Jack Zach Wilson might be as raw as him, though. But uh, but talking about uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Mac Jones, he's way more raw than those guys in terms of quarterback play. So if you're getting a way more polished product than you're getting with Jalen Hurts, and that's weird to say because of where they are at their points in the NFL careers, but it's the truth. You have to add that context into it. Those guys have been playing natural quarterback position longer than Jalen Hurts has. So you're getting more polished product. And, I would always know, go with more polished product each time. Yeah, and, and, and Sirianni mentioned that, listen, Hurts may has made 14 starts. 
which is maybe just a handful, maybe two or three less than these rookie quarterbacks, Lawrence, Lance, you know what I mean? Like he, he's in that same conversation as these rookie quarterbacks because he's made a similar number of starts. Yeah, he's been in the league one extra year. It was a really weird year with the COVID. Right, um, Eddie, I know those four games are, I mean, three and a half really because you put them in the Washington game, but people always forget they had no training camp. They had no OTAs. They had no offseason. They had no chemistry. They were in their hotel rooms building chemistry through their phones. Yeah. Like, that's that's not football. But He's you, a rookie. You bring up a good point with the growth with Smith. I mean, that that is something that to keep an eye on because Hertz and Smith, they have that history at Alabama, even if it was just for, what, a, a year maybe or, or two. Um, and and – this is a this is a quarterback receiver duo that can grow into something possibly terrific, you know, something like the Montana Rice or you know uh, Aikman and Irvin, you know, something like that. I mean, the Eagles don't have a big history of uh, developing a quarterback receiver duo over this number of years. Maybe you had it with Jaworski and Mike Quick back, you know, in the eighties or Jaworski. That's still so long Mike ago. And you're in the era of football where you're passing way more than yeah. you were back then. And so Eagles so haven't had ago. that. I mean, McNabb had nobody develop a rapport with over, you know, 10, 11 years here. I mean, nobody. You know? uh, he played two years with Deshaun. He played one year with T.O. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's what would be kind of cool to see if Hertz is going to be the guy, how these two can grow together, learning how they come out of routes, knowing where they're going to be on a scramble play. I mean, that would be what would be really cool, in my opinion, if Hertz is the guy to see him and Devontae grow together. I would I would really love to see that. Even if it's not Hertz, though. Guess what? That quarterback walks into Philadelphia and he has a true bona fide number one wide receiver to work with. Whereas most of the times where they could have you could have argued they failed multiple times other uh, in other areas. The quarterback coming in doesn't have that issue. Right. You know, Winston once had that issue. Bradford had that issue. Foles had that issue. You know you're not going to get that issue because you have the guy and he's there for five years guaranteed. But these guys are born into the system, man. These guys are baked from the ground up in the same Eagles system. You know, like you bring in another guy. Okay. Yeah. I I get it. Like if it's like, no, uh, I do want it to be hurts. The best case scenario, regardless what anybody thinks, regardless about all these agendas on online, the best case scenario for the Philadelphia Eagles is Jalen hurts is the guy. Because yeah. you take those three draft picks and you say, you know what? Our defense sucks. We have no yeah. young talent on our defense. It's just the truth, man. Yeah. They have no yeah. young star on their defense. That's yeah. it's They don't. In an era of football where you you look at all these teams, they at least have one bona fide star. I know what Fletcher Cox was. I know what he is now. But they every team has, at least has one young rising ascending talent on their defense. On, on their defense. The Eagles have none. Nope. It's, There's nobody it's supposed that- to be Josh Sweat. It's supposed to be Josh Sweat, but he hasn't lived up to it right now. They and, need to get that defensive. They need to get Hutchinson or uh, Thibodeau in the draft. Or Karloftis. He's another or guy. Or yes. Yeah. But, I mean. Um, yeah. But, anyway. yeah. We're or Kyle Hamilton, man. To be honest with you, safety matters. As, I'm right. at the point yeah, where safety. I. Get a safety. You're right. But they I love safeties. Early. I love the Anthony Harris edition. I'm taking mm-hmm. a huge L on that one so far because you and I raved about it. We were like one of the first two podcast episodes on it. Start Marcus Epps. Because you gotta at least see what you have with Marcus Epps now. He's playing better than Anthony Harris, and, and sparing—he's not playing as many snaps as Anthony Harris. So, as I say this, and it, he's playing better than him in a sparingly role. But they're gonna have to drive the safety, and Kyle Hamilton might be there for the taking too. 
Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. If, if or Hurts is the answer. That's, well, that's the point. That's, that's the point. what it all comes down the to. Best. Seven games to figure that out. Yeah, the best case for the Philadelphia Eagles is Jalen Hurts is the guy so that they can take those three draft picks, even if it's not a first round, which is I think it's going to be a first round pick for once at this point. But they need to take those three first round picks and put them all on the defense. All on the defense. I don't want to yeah. see a wide receiver drafted. Maybe an offensive lineman, I understand, because you're going to be probably replacing Brandon Brooks or and I'm or Jason out, I'm going out and signing. Like, didn't we talk about this? Devontae Adams is a free agent wide receiver. I'm backing up the truck and bringing in Devontae Adams to run with Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts, man. Let's go. Let's take that step and let's spend these picks on defense. They did it. No more they drafting wide receivers, please. They went out and they dropped the Brings truck at Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith. So that was once his second year. Yeah. So they're gonna have the money to do so. I think they're I I think a more realistic chance is like a Tim Pick Tim Patrick though. Cause I think they need to spend money on the defense, man. I think Quez Watkins is a player. I know he dropped a touchdown, but I think he's a player. I think Devontae Smith obviously is your player. I don't think you need to bring in a stud. I think you need to bring in a guy who compliments them. And Tim Patrick's a good player. He's Tim Patrick a is deal. a good player. He's, he's a good friend. big guy. Yeah. Because uh at this point, Jalen Rager is unfortunately not it. Just not it. Take a nail on that one too. So far, a lot of L's on my on my takes this season so far. <laughs> a lot of them. But yeah, well, thank you guys good. so much for tuning in. We're doing like a whole hour episode apparently, but uh, we'll be back soon again. We're trying to do it weekly again. Get back into our flow. Get back into we're talking to Eagles because again we're having so much fun just doing this and uh, watching the growth. I know that I sound like a flip flopper on this podcast so far, but like I said, and this is all that matters. The best case for the Philadelphia Eagles is that Jalen Hurts becomes the guy. No matter what I think, no matter what Ed thinks, no matter what anybody, no matter what Jeffrey Lurie thinks, the best case for the Philadelphia Eagles is that Jalen Hurts becomes the guy. And that's all what we should, we all should hope for it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But we should all hope for it. That's all in the show. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.